We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Solo Ship uh, Week 14. There you go, you're on it. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, Thursday edition. So, so the timing's a little bit off, but we don't have at least we don't have like the final injury report coming in as we start the show. Uh, Jam, it's it's an interesting week. Um, I swear that I wrote this down last night, and it's not based off of the email you sent out to your subscribers this morning. But it it's a 10 game slate following a 12 game slate, and it and so it's. It's definitely smaller than last week, and it feels even smaller, I think, for a couple of specific reasons. One, it is. It's like Coors Field Slate. Like you described it you know, earlier when we were doing the show, like week seven or week eight. Coors Field Slate, we've got one total that dwarfs everything else. And we've also got, we've got a handful of backup quarterbacks that, you know, guys that did not start for their team last week but are starting this week, uh, you know, like Baltimore, San Francisco, and even, like, I'm not sure if Houston counts anymore. Um, you know, with Davis Mills, but They're it's all backups in Houston. <laughs> yeah, all backups. Um, but you know, yeah, and it's so so it feels like a smaller slate. It feels like a really tiny slate. I mean, it feels it's a ten game slate that might even feel like a seven or eight game slate. Yeah, and there's like there's a ton of good running backs missing from the slate, and there's good quarterbacks on the slate. But Patrick Mahomes is playing at Denver, and Josh Allen's playing against the Jets. And DraftKings used to have what I called dynamic pricing, where they would adjust a player's pricing for the matchup. And if that were the case, we'd see Patrick Mahomes at like 7,200 this week. We'd have this tough decision of like, sure, he's probably not hitting his normal ceiling, but at 7,200, that's pretty attractive, right? Well, DraftKings doesn't do that anymore. So we just have like, hey, do you want to pay Patrick Mahomes' normal price tag at Denver? Do you want to pay Josh Allen's normal price tag against the Jets? Uh, so yeah, it, it like really condenses this slate because we have these ugly games. We have this one game with a 52 and a half point total, uh, eight games at 45 or below. And then this one game that's kind of in between with Bengals and Browns, where I think people don't really know how to play that one. That'll be interesting for us to talk about today. Uh, and then additionally, this Vikings and Lions game, right? Like people don't typically like to play Jared Goff. And then Kirk Cousins, I don't think he's topped 24 DraftKings points 
this season. Maybe he has once, but he has like no 28, 29, 30 point games. And actually it's kind of surprisingly, but last year, if you look through Matthew Stafford's game logs, it was the same thing for him. Like I think he had one or two 30 pointers, but everything else was kind of in the 21 to 24 point range. Uh, and so not, this is the same offense, not this is the same quarterback, but it's very similar sort of blueprint. Right. And so uh, it's interesting, like, how are people going to attack that game, right? Are they going to play these quarterbacks or are they going to go a different direction? So, uh, yeah, I think just a lot of interesting components about this slate. And one of the things I also said in that email is this isn't a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing. That's how p- people tend to process it is like, oh, this slate is this way. That's that's a bad thing. It's just a thing. Everybody has to deal with this, right? And so if everybody has to deal with it, we find ways to deal with it better than everybody else. Um, it's actually a slate that I really like. But um, not totally sure yet. I probably know where I'm going on my main build, but not totally sure yet kind of where I'll go in terms of like bigger picture uh, macro stuff with like how to stack all these different spots. But uh, yeah, that's kind of like my macro view of the site. You have anything to add to that before we dive into sort of more specific stuff? Yeah, just quickly, because, you know, the first thing that sticks out is this one game, the the Minnesota Detroit game. And uh, it, you know, you described those as Corvus Field slates, and you brought up the dynamic pricing. It feels like a Corvus Field slate where they didn't do the dynamic pricing, uh, because like I looked to see, well, well, where are Cousins and Goff priced? You know, they they're in the, <laughs> you know fifty two and a half. There's only twenty quarterbacks on the slate, and like I said, you know, a handful of them are, are backups that are you know just you know just um, you know starting their, their first second game. I even Deshaun Watson just starting a second game, you know, for for his team. And uh, Goff and Cousins are priced down to like their their tenth, eleventh most expensive. I think Goff is on DraftKings is the eleventh most expensive quarterback, or maybe it might be Fanduel, but yeah, they're they're in that like eighth to ninth to tenth, you know, priced court highest priced quarterbacks. Um, they're in the game with the highest point total by far of the of the week. Um, and there's like you know, how are there ten quarterbacks ahead of them? But it it does kind of make sense. And then. I actually started looking at it and started thinking about it in terms of implied point totals instead of game totals. And that actually is a little bit instructive. And it, it, I don't, you know, like, I don't know where I'm going to go yet this week, but it's, it's interesting that while that game has the highest point total of the week, like the teams, because it's got a close spread are still in that like 25, 26 implied point total range. And that's actually the same as like Philadelphia is at 26 implied points. Um, you know, Kansas City's at 26 and a half. Uh, Cincinnati's at 26. Like even Seattle's at, yeah, at 24. It looks like, you know, Rudy Ryan says it at 24 and a quarter. Um, and, you know, Minnesota's at 25, Detroit's at 26 and a half. So looking through the lens of implied point totals, then that game doesn't stick out so much. Then again, we want to stack things, right? Like so we want to stack things and then it, then it starts to stick out again. And that's, uh, that's kind of you know, like the back and forth that I think I'm going to go through all weekend. Yeah. And I mean, especially you with a live final this week and like, there's more for you to be back and forth on as far as like what's at risk in terms of what you can win. Right. But uh, the, yeah. And I think that the, it's interesting to explore that as well, because one of the reasons we like tight games with high implied point totals is because it's not because if that becomes a 28 to 25 game, it helps us so much. Right. It's because because both of these teams could stay close and push the other to keep going. And then we end up with this like 38 to 35 game that blows away the other games. And that's important because I just, it's hard for me to see the path to Patrick Mahomes putting up like a 35 to 38 point game. It's hard for me to see the path to Josh Allen doing that. Not to say that they can't, not to say that I won't account for that in large field play, but in terms of like narrowing down to tighter builds, 
like it's harder for me to see that in those game environments. Whereas Vikings and Lions, you can easily see both teams scoring 35 plus. Uh, the team that I kind of uh, will will come back to the Bengals, but the other team that I kind of see that could end up just blowing past that implied point total is is the Eagles, right? Because we've seen the Eagles so often just have no trouble scoring points. And then at some point in the second half, they have to take their foot off the gas, but that's just a, a function of how far ahead they are. So I could certainly see that being a game where the Eagles just keep scoring points uh, and they end up being well above their implied point total, uh, especially because the Giants whole thing is like, hey, let's control the game when we have the ball and, and kind of dictate the terms. They can't do that against this Eagles defense. And so uh, I think that the Eagles will probably lean a lot. We talked last week about, all the reasons they would probably lean pass heavy against Tennessee, which was in fact what happened. Uh, I would expect them to lean more run heavy this week because that's kind of their natural mode. The Giants are bad against the pass, bad against the run. So hard to see like how we play Hurts there, right? Because he's going to run, but maybe if they're if they're dominating this game, maybe not as much as we'd like. But um, but yeah, that's the team that I could see like really soaring fast. And maybe Vikings line finishes at like 28 to 24 and, and it's not a had-to-have-it game. Um, so that's interesting to think about as well. It is in – Actually, just staying on, on quarterbacks, like the the reason that Cousins and Goff are priced the way they are is because they haven't put up that high of an average score on like on FanDuel or DraftKings. And part of the reason for that is neither one of them runs at all. Um, and so like they that game actually does have to go nuts for them to put up a huge point total. Like they have to get there getting the four points on throwing touchdowns, right? And the and getting the whatever it is, you know, 0.2 points from passing yards instead of, you know, one uh, point for every 25 passing yards rather than one point for every 10 rushing yards. Uh, whereas there are some other guys like, you know, Hertz, um, you know, uh, Josh Allen, you know, a little bit with his, with his legs. Um, we'll see what happens in Baltimore, uh, you know, where the rushing quarterbacks can put up so many more points on games that don't have to go berserk because they get more points for what they do relative to like Cousins and Goff. But then again, yeah, that like this game, it could be 28, 24, you know, it could be 35, 31, you know, it could be 42. And that's like <laughs> such a big difference in yeah, like, it does. And yeah. It, yeah. It, there is a path to see this game going back and forth. I mean, the, the close spread means something, you know? Yeah. It's also, you brought up Goff and Cousins average points per game. Goff has averaged more points per game than Cousins. Uh, Cousins' best game was 24.5. Uh, uh, Goff has three games of 24 plus, including a game of whatever it was 37. Uh, so I think that Goff is actually a little bit more interesting here and doesn't necessarily get treated as the more interesting quarterback. People probably feel a little bit more comfortable playing Cousins just because of the the perception around Cousins versus the perception around Goff. But um, yeah, it's an interesting game. Okay, so I want to talk about this Bengals Browns game and give you my theory here, and then see what you have to say on this. So my theory here is. A lot of times we see coaches, you have an explosive offense. You're playing an opponent that can't score points quickly, right? And so you take a lead, you've got an explosive offense, but you're up 10 points, 14 points, whatever. And a lot of times you see these coaches be like, well, let's just call a cons- like, let's run the ball. Let's control this game. We have a lead. Let's force this team to try to scrape their way back into this because they probably can't. A lot of times when we see a team that's playing, like it has an explosive offense and is playing an explosive offense, they will instead head into the game thinking we need to score points in this one, right? So they get a 10 point lead and they're not like, Hey, let's sit on the ball. They're thinking let's keep scoring points. So I kind of think like Vegas is looking at like, Hey, Deshaun Watson didn't look good last week. 
The DFS public's probably looking at it like Deshaun Watson didn't look good last week, but Zach Taylor's probably not looking at it like that. He's probably looking at it like, hey, this is a game where we have to keep scoring. Um, so I really like this Bengals side in this game, and that's right now where I'm leaning for my main build. I mean, we're, we're recording this on Thursday, so who knows? But um, but yeah, any thoughts on on that spot this week? Not necessarily like, hey, will Deshaun Watson look good, but like, won't the Bengals call their game as if Deshaun Watson will look good? Yeah, they do. They they have to prep for the week, right? Like Deshaun Watson might look like he did, you know, a couple of years ago in Houston. And, you know, they, the Browns could put up a, a bunch of points. So they need to keep scoring. And yeah, if they, it is, it, I actually, I think it's an interesting game to con- contrast with like Dallas and Houston, which is a little bit random. But Dallas, um, Dallas actually has the highest implied point total of the week. Right, so yeah. Teams. Like I forgot Dallas is the only one with a 30 plus implied point total. And Dallas is that, that team, right. It's going to get up to a 14. Like if Dallas is up 14, nothing, they might think, okay, we're done. You know, this is great. <laughs> um, and, and, but that actually there's, you know, both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are a little bit interesting because yeah, if they could, what if they get two rushing touchdowns in the first quarter, they're going to keep running the ball and that could get that could kind of like build on itself. Um, I think the Cincinnati and Cleveland game is, is the opposite of that, right? Where, yeah, if Cincinnati scores, then they're going to keep scoring. Like, they, they don't have that maybe relaxed attitude that Dallas would have in their game. And so, yeah, they might keep throwing the ball, uh, and, and they might stay aggressive later into the game. I was actually thinking this week before the show, I was thinking it might be a Joe Mixon week. I was actually thinking that in multiple ways, all right, like with multiple meanings. I was thinking about the week just a few weeks ago where Joe Mixon scored five touchdowns. Um, it might be a week where you need to find that player that goes absolutely berserk and it might not be in the game we expect. Uh, and, I, and I was actually thinking about a Joe Mixon week, thinking about just the guy that scores five touchdowns relative to like Pollard or, or Ezekiel Elliott. Like what if they score five touchdowns against the Houston rush defense? That would not be a shock. But then I was also thinking it might be a good week to play Joe Mixon himself, right? Like, uh, you know, against the Browns, like the Browns, Defenses look bad. I don't, still don't think people have totally adjusted the idea of the Browns having a bad defense uh, because for years, it, like the Browns were a slow them down team. You wouldn't really target for DFS. Uh, and I, it's still in the back of my head. I think, well, I don't really want to play anybody against the Browns. And then I have to I remind myself, oh, no, this year you, you do. Um, and so it might be a good week for Joe Mixon or it might be a good week for Joe Burrow and the Bengals pass on. Yeah, what I like about Mixon is you kind of get to cover both potential game flows. If if the Bengals take a lead and do slow things down, it's going through Mixon. And not that not that carries are worth that much to us in DFS, but uh, just in terms of like he's going to be involved no matter what happens. Whereas we, if we're wrong on the way that the Bengals call this game, then Burrow could end up uninvolved if they take a lead. Uh, and then it really like with Mixon, it, I guess with as with most players, it comes down to touchdowns, right? Like. And, and I say that and then realize like literally every player, every player is priced pretty appropriately for their pre-touchdown fantasy scoring. And then it's like, do they get the touchdowns or not? But, um, and Mixon has the role where he should be getting the touchdowns still, right? He had 16 touchdowns last year. He has eight this year. So kind of similar pace, except we take away that one game and he has three touchdowns in all his other games. So it kind of looks like, oh, well, Mixon doesn't score touchdowns, but that's just the variance, right? Like, what was it? it was like heading into week three people were like yep austin eckler doesn't score touchdowns anymore and now you know he's near the top of the league in touchdowns so uh yeah i mean i, I think that Mixon is very interesting i, I just think that 
all sides of that offense are interesting. I think that uh, most rosters that I have this week will have pieces from the Bengals and we'll have pieces from the Vikings Lions game uh, because there are going to be pieces from that game that end up putting up solid scores, whether it's DJ Shark or DeAndre Swift or uh, TJ Hawkinson or Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Dalvin Cook is an interesting one because people won't really probably be on him. Um, but yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I want to ask you about running backs because we are missing a lot of running backs on this slate. And then we have like Saquon Barkley who has only – one game north of 26 DraftKings points. It was way back in week one. He's playing Philadelphia. They're going to be trailing. Not super attractive. Uh, Derek Henry, who is like six of his 10 blow-up games in his career have come against Jacksonville or Houston, but this is a better Jacksonville run defense than those past Jacksonville run defenses. Nick Chubb, who's topped 33 points twice in his entire career. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, but he's playing against a good Tampa defense that's always kind of shut him down. And with Brock Purdy at quarterback, uh, anything that you're seeing up there, that those are the guys above uh, Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. Um, are you seeing anything there where you're like, yeah, this is actually pretty interesting to pay up at running back if other people aren't doing it? Or uh, do you think other people will be like more likely to pay up at running back and we can gain an edge by not doing that? Any thoughts on on that top end of that position? It's it's tough to judge. I, I just ran some like initial projections, like optimal lineups, right? looking at you know, the projections across the industry. And it was funny. I, I did this last night and I laughed out loud because the guy that was popping like an all the optimal lineups was Damian Pierce. And it's been that way for a few weeks in a row because he gets so much volume with the, with he's like the he's just going to keep running Damian Pierce. Um, the offense is it just, you know, it's so like, <laughs> um, and I, I don't think that's going to change this week. Like Dallas doesn't have a great rushing defense, and I think that probably goes into the projection as well. Um, and he really, you know, he's he's value priced. I don't know if I can go there though. And I, I was like looking at it, thinking like that's the last guy I would play. Uh, and but I don't. I'll, I'll see. You know, as as the week evolves. Um, at the, the top end, um, I did like like McCaffrey stuck out a little bit. I was looking because like Joe Mixon is actually pretty expensive. I, that was one of the, the top guys that I was thinking about um, as well. Like Joe Mixon, you know, on FanDuel, I guess, you know, on, oh no, sorry, on DraftKings. Um, yeah, McCaffrey's 8,500. Joe Mixon's down at 6,900. They're almost the same price on FanDuel, which I, is actually interesting. I was like, oh, I like Mixon as well. Like McCaffrey's just $100 more. Um, Nick Chubb kind of burned me last week. I actually, uh, Eric Bimefor on the Sunday morning show, you asked me like one, one stack to win it all. And I said, the Cleveland defense, which, it made me look brilliant. That did nothing. I, it killed my lineups. Um, you still got like 40 points, but it all came from the defense. Yeah, not-, <laughs> not the way I drew it up. Yeah, not, not what I was expecting. I do. I like Dalvin Cook because I think – actually, Dalvin Cook uh, and DeAndre Swift, I think, are both interesting. Yeah. They, they come from that game, and like what they could kind of slow that game down a little bit. And, and put the points where maybe people aren't expecting. Like, people are going to play them on Rossi Brown. They don't want to spend up for Justin Jefferson. They're envisioning just a back and forth, like, shootout. But, yeah, the, the touchdowns could come on the ground. And then the other guys I really highlighted when I first look at, looked at the slate, like, last Sunday night, I was like, oh, wow, Dallas has two good running backs, and they're both playing Houston. Uh, and, you know, that's the worst rushing defense in the league. And that, that's something that stuck out to me, like, if you're going to pay up for running back. Yeah, I I like the Dalvin Cook call, and I really like 
So all season, people have had the wrong perception of the Detroit run defense. They've like we still perceive it as the worst run defense in football. One of the th- things I talked about last week when they were playing Travis Etienne was like they're they're below average, but they ranked 22nd in DVOA against the run heading into last week, right? They they're below average, but they're not awful. And now all of a sudden they're they have like a red tenth next to Dalvin Cook's name in the DraftKings app because their 10th fewest fantasy points, DraftKings fantasy points allowed to running backs. And if they were 11th, that number would be in white. But since it's 10th, it's in red, which kind of chases the casual player away because they're like, oh, it's a bad matchup for Dalvin Cook. And even like even me understanding how these numbers are created and how the public perceives these numbers, I still like when I go through the app, I see the red number and it's like, ooh, bad matchup, you know? And so the fact that that's there, I think, lowers Dalvin's ownership a little bit. The fact that he hasn't had these big multi-touchdown games lowers his ownership a little bit. But same thing, right? He's priced appropriately for his pre-touchdown production. So it's just a question of, does he get the touchdowns this week? And if he does, he's probably taking away points from more popular players. I'm with you on these Cowboys running backs. Really like them. And then uh, really like Miles Sanders is a guy that people never really want to click that button um, but if we if we trust that we know what Nick Sirianni wants to do, right? Like last week, that was what we talked about was the Eagles are going to pass in this game. You don't have to be concerned. Well, we've seen them go run heavy in the spots where they're controlling games against bad run defenses. Uh, Miles Sanders has a 32-point game on his ledger this year and a 34-point game on his ledger this year, and he's 6,200. Imagine if he puts up 30-plus points at 6,200. He's always low-owned because people don't want to go there. And uh, So, yeah, he's very interesting to me this week as – a guy who's probably going to see anywhere from 15 to 21 carries, two or three catches. Um, and he's going to score you like 11 or 12 points if he misses, which is going to suck. But he can also score you 30 plus and people won't be on him. So uh, another guy I kind of like in, in that sort of mid-tier of pricing at running back, I think will be a differentiator for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, think, I like the Miles Sanders call because like, Jalen Hurts just had a huge game that could lead to some ownership. And there is an interesting dynamic of, of playing the running backs from the teams where everybody else is playing the quarterback. I mean, it's kind of the Dalvin Cook thought, you know, is, but, but yeah, play Miles Sanders instead of Jalen Hurts because Sanders is going to have his games. And when he does have his big games, it's probably going to come at the expense of, of Jalen Hurts. Uh, actually, one more running back I wanted to, to get your thoughts on. Um, I was really surprised to see uh, James Cook's price is he's like one of the cheapest usable running backs, like 40 yeah. on DraftKings, 6,100 on FanDuel. He seems to be getting more and more of the work you would expect like a rookie running back to kind of get stronger as the season goes along. 
if they, you know, if they draft a running back, you have to think they're drafting a running back to, to use them and maybe take some time, you know, take some of the share away from, from Devin Singletary. Um, and that's like, I'm surprised he's projected so low. I'm surprised he's so cheap. Like I, I, I think they were the Thursday night game last week. Um, and he got like more action. Like it seemed like they started him as this, the starting running back. And like, he was getting bulk of the carries early on in the game. They did, you know, they were then mixing in Singletary. They were mixing in Naeem Hines. Uh, but he's but he's so cheap. You know, it's it's going to be a tempting thing, especially if Josh Allen gains some popularity. Yeah, I mean, 14 carries and six catches in his last game. I, I'm interested in reading the NFL Edge right up for that game and kind of seeing what the usage, like, like the breakdown of the usage and like expectation moving forward and maybe like – dive into the numbers a little bit more deeply myself, go back and rewatch that game. Cause I watched that game, but not as like a, not as a scout, right? Like I watched it to watch the game uh, and watch the Patriots get beat down by, uh, by the bills. But yeah, the, that's, that's a very interesting spot. And he's like, I've had a lot of practice builds this week where I'm like, okay, what can I do to free up salary? I could put in James cook at 4,600, uh, and it definitely makes a difference in the way that you can build the rest of that roster. Um, you know what? Right next to him, too, is Kareem Hunt, who is an interesting bring back on a Bengals build. Uh, that would be for large field play for me, not single entry. But no, yeah, James Cook is very much in my mind as like, hey, what about and I, I kind of feel like he's going to get steamed up throughout the week. Right. There's no way that if he's actually a super sharp play that he just stays low owned. Yeah. But like the industry is too sharp at this point. But maybe we're in a position where like DeAndre Swift last week where it's like, yeah, it's a sharp play if, and people don't want to play those ifs. And so they end up staying off of him. Right. Like, and so then it's sort of this sort of situation where it's like, you'd rather be too early than too late. So like, let's be willing to be too early in order to be on time with, with James Cook. I'm hoping that that's what happens is like, we dig into the numbers. And it's like, no, no, no. His role really is growing. He really is probably going to get more touches here, but the, the field is kind of like, yeah, but let's wait and see it. And then we can say, cool, like we'll take advantage of it now when, when you guys are waiting on it. Yeah, I, it was actually, I, I wanted to see how much they raised his price after last week, after he got so much work. They didn't raise his price at all. No. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess we should put a note in, you know, this is Thursday we're recording this. We're usually recording this on Friday, but there could be value that opens up as well. And I would almost expect there's going to be some value that opens yeah, up. Yeah, this deep into the season, for sure. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, and Kenneth Walker in particular is is questionable i think and he might not play and that maybe puts tony jones against tony jones um yeah and and uh travis homer's coming back and that's one where i'm I kind of i'm interested to dig into that one as well because like do they go with as run heavy of a game plan against the panthers if they don't have like their between the tackles running back you know maybe this is a spot where gino passes a little bit more even though they might be in control of this game um, Vegas isn't giving him a ton of love against this Panthers defense has been kind of up and down, but mostly solid since Steve Wilkes took, took over. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on, on that. Like that's an interesting spot, right? Um, speaking of guys whose prices didn't move, Deandre Swift's price didn't really move. Uh, but also Garrett Wilson, they decided to bump him up from 56 or 5,300 up to 5,900. Uh, any thoughts on, on that spot? Tredavious White should be back this week, but, um, I mean, he's had a long layoff. I don't know how much of a difference that really makes in, in like Garrett Wilson's ceiling. Yeah. Um, I mean, Garrett Wilson might just be really good and we should, right. you know, we should keep that in mind. Um, you know, but yeah, the bills defense overall has been good, but yeah, these, these defensive injuries matter. Um, I, 
he might i think he really sticks out on DraftKings. uh maybe not so much on fanduel for i'm not sure if fanduel raised his price i'm just like not seeing him in opto- oh yeah so the fanduel raised him from 6600 to 7200 so the last couple of weeks he's gone from 6000 to 6600 to 7200 um which does like that that's a bigger jump than um than i guess DraftKings at, at 5600 to 5900 um yeah uh wide receiver is interesting this week like just looking at some of the more popular like wide receivers by uh, by ownership percentage, you know the initial run on on Rotor Grinders. I noticed like both Ceedee Lamb and Michael Gallup are are highly owned. Like, oh, I, I love that. Um, <laughs> because like, why are they gonna? And it, I, this is where projections can get really wonky. And I know it's like it's initial projections runs. You know, it's Thursday initial ownership runs. Like, why would Dallas be passing the ball against <laughs> against Houston? Um, you know, to the point where CeeDee Lamb and and uh, Michael Gallup are the guys you needed to have on your rosters, right? Like, um, I could see Dallas, but it's, it comes off of implied point totals. And if if the Dallas implied point total is a good chunk ahead of all the other teams, like, we, you know, projections are going to take those points and divvy, the, uh, divvy them up like, among the Dallas offensive players. And then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, like CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. It just logically doesn't make sense that they're going to be getting the ball. Um you know, the, the two most, uh, uh, you know, highest owned uh, wide receivers are Amon Ross St. Brown, which is no, no surprise, and Garrett Wilson on DraftKings. And, yeah, those are the guys that people have been playing for weeks on, on DraftKings. Yeah. They're, they're underpriced. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, though, I can still see, especially on DraftKings, at full point per reception. Um, but I think he's going to be popular on, on FanDuel as well, just along with that whole game being popular. Yeah, and 7,800 is a pretty appropriate price on Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like he could score 22-23, and that ends up being kind of a disappointing score. Uh, Garrett Wilson, tough matchup against the Bills. So uh, like this, like last week I played both guys on my main build and just tried to differentiate in other spots. Um, this is a week I might be able to see the justification for going off them a little bit more just because of pricing. Um, on the C.D. Lamb thing, and I think that there's there's always an edge in DFS – on the fact that a lot of people pay attention to matchups and don't pay as much attention to like coaching decisions, which is where I've always capitalized is like, how do these coaches want to call their games? Uh, how would a coach call a game against Houston? Right. Um, CD lamb has topped 22.7 DraftKings points once all season, once all season. And he costs 7,500. He needs at least 30 points to go for X's salary. The one time he topped it was a 28 to 31 shootout against green Bay. Like, it, it, the way that the Cowboys call their games has nothing to do with CD lamb getting heavy volume when they're winning by a ton of points. So uh, I do actually think that, I mean, maybe not like super chalky, but these, like, he's a guy who people tend to see like, Oh, he always gets double digit points. They don't think about like, what's his ceiling at this price tag where they're like, Oh, it's a good matchup, right? He can beat this Texan secondary. So uh, I always like seeing spots like that and just recognize that's like a small edge. And uh, we still need to add other edges on top of that. Um, there's other guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson, obviously people will want to play him. I wonder like how much people will be able to get up to his price tag. Um, Stefan Diggs will probably go low owned, but it's tough for me to see like the justification of pulling the trigger there in small field. Same thing with AJ Brown, where I don't expect the Eagles to be passing as much in this game. Uh, Seahawks wide receivers are interesting. And, uh, Chris Godwin's interesting. He just keeps getting volume. You know, they don't score touchdowns, but, uh, there's that. And then, and then these Bengals wide receivers, just because I really like that um, that Burrow setup this week. Um, any thoughts on those guys or any other guys that are kind of standing out to you? 
I was actually going to bring up three teams that are totally different. Uh, yes, <laughs> I like it. One team, I you know, I think is going to be end up playing uh, played on DraftKings. Uh, Houston's wide receivers, probably. I don't know who they are. <laughs> um, right, probably, right. Probably, probably Chris Moore and like Philip Dorsett. Like they're probably around three thousand. I haven't looked. I can't scroll down. Chris Moore is like thirty three hundred or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks like Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins are both going to be out. I actually, I we made a joke. I, I made a joke uh, earlier this season on this show that I c- couldn't name an offensive player on Houston other than Brandon Cooks and Damian Pierce. And then I thought, oh no, Nico Collins, right? <laughs> now all like now Cooks and Collins are out. Um, so yeah, it's down to like Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett. And it is, it's going to be a projections thing where it's, well, they're projected for like 14 for two touchdowns. So we got to take those and divide them up. And then, then like at their salaries, Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett are probably going to end up being, um, you know, you know, end up in like projected into like optimal lineups. Um, I, I think uh, Mari Cooper is actually kind of interesting. Very. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Bringing back against like the, the Bengals, like, cause that, that game, like if the Bengals are scoring, then it's probably going to be like Houston's a little bit, or it's um, not Houston, Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland is a little bit of a different offense now with Deshaun Watson. I'm like, yeah, what if Deshaun Watson was just a little rusty last week? That's totally reasonable. Now he's a little bit better this week, having been under the lights again, you know, with his with his starting offense now. Um, and I, I think it could be an Amari Cooper week. And that would be a really interesting bring back with like a Joe Mixon or with a Bengals passing offense. Uh, and then the other team, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about Tennessee, uh, uh, Jacksonville, sorry, Jacksonville against the Tennessee passing defense. Uh, and I might be a Trevor Lawrence, I think is questionable, but my guess is he's going to play. And then you have some interesting wide receivers there. Um, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Yeah, I will know uh, Tennessee, like we look at their past events, it's bad. That's what we see. Um, but Tennessee is, we've talked about this before in the show, but they're pretty game plan specific, right? And how they call things. The only teams that have scored more than 22 points, like real life points against them this year are Philadelphia and Buffalo. Um, the Raiders scored 22 and then every other team has scored 20 or fewer. Uh, the Chiefs scored under 20 or the Chiefs scored 20. Green Bay scored 17. Um, like there's some solid offenses that they've held down this year. So that was like start of the week. I was like, Ooh, uh, Trevor Lawrence is really interesting. Uh, he said he's going to play. So I would expect him to play, but I, I do have some level of respect for like the Tennessee defense holistically, right? Like their ability to figure out how to stop the opponent from scoring points. Um, but I'll definitely like, I don't think I'll play him in small field stuff, but large field play. Uh, he'll be a guy who's interesting to me. And same thing with the the Jags wide receivers. Cause we know that passing volume ramps up against Tennessee. I mean, our, in our props package, we've taken uh, three straight weeks. We took uh, Aaron Rodgers over past him against Tennessee, Joe Burrow over past him against Tennessee, Jalen Hurts over passing yards against Tennessee. Like Tennessee filters everything to the pass. And so that volume, uh, I'll say like this, I wrote down earlier this week, like I could see Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball 40 times in this spot. PPR scoring, that can matter a lot for Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, which is where most of that volume goes. So yeah, I like that call there. I'm like a little hesitant on the game stack compared to what my initial instincts were. But uh, I do like the idea of the wide receivers, especially as like one-offs in that spot. That's an important like distinction or an important note that I, I was saying, yeah, the Tennessee passing defense hasn't been good this year, but Jacksonville's also only implied for 19 points. And that might be a reflection of Trevor Lawrence is questionable, but yeah, the, the, looking at the defense holistically is important as well as knowing that they're a pass funnel defense. 
although the receptions put points on our scoreboard. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah. So it's an important thing to think about, especially for yeah. full PPR scoring. Yeah, and um, I love the I love the Browns call. I mean, I really I really think that game's super interesting this week. Um, just wanted to touch on tight end really quickly. The guy that seems to be getting little, you know, some tags and some interest is Greg Dulcich. Um, I'm gonna have a hard time playing. It's it's gonna be tough to pull the trigger on anybody from Denver. Actually, like Kendall Hinton, I think is popping a little bit as well. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you any thoughts on tight end on the on the Denver offense? <laughs> yeah. So I want to dig into uh, Hinton was playing out of the slot when Judy was out. So I still need to dig in and see like what his slot snaps were last week because all of a sudden Judy was back. Sutton got hurt, but Hinton's Hinton's targets just evaporated, right? Um, but if they moved Hinton to the outside, then that's not as valuable. I'm not providing much value on this podcast with that one because I don't know yet. But uh, Dulcich, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like underlying metrics pop. He's probably going to have a huge game at some point. Remember when Logan Thomas, uh, was it last year or two years ago? And it was like every week, it's like, well, his underlying metrics say he's going to hit eventually. And it was like week 10. And he finally like started scoring 20-point games, which you had to keep waiting, right? Like Dulcich uh, with Russell Wilson – his targets are like this first nine target game came with Brett Rippon under center. So his targets with Greg, with uh, Russell Wilson have actually been three, five, four, five, three, and then eight. So only one game above five targets. I don't think people really realize that, that Russ hasn't been leaning on him that much. Uh, But then an eight target game last week, six for 85, uh, 14 points. Like I, I won't sit here and say Greg Dulcich is a bad play even at chalk. But um, I do think like his chances of failing are still higher than people think. So I don't know. He's interesting because like I, I'm always a little scared on a guy like this where you're like, yeah, like it's like Mixon the week he scored five touchdowns. For weeks it had been like his underlying metrics said he was a much better play than he'd shown. And so I don't want to miss out on like – I don't want to sit here and be like, don't play Greg Dulcich at chalk. And then he puts up 25 points because he probably can do that. But he can also put up 10 points again. Um, Mitchell Wilcox is filling in for Hayden Hurst. He's interesting. David Njoku is a really interesting guy in that Bengals game who should be healthy this week. Um, TJ Hawkinson, Travis Kelsey. There's other places to go at tight end. But yeah, the, the Dulcich one, it's like, it's not one I can talk down, but I certainly see the justification for not playing him, right? It's a bad offense. And uh, he's only gotten targets from Russ once, really. So I don't know. You have any thoughts on that one? It's a, it's a tough position because I it, it seems like a little bit of a wasteland, but it's actually not. Like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews are are playing, um, but it's it's tough. We don't really have the value right now that you necessarily want to pay up for for Kelsey and Mark Andrews. So the idea of getting somebody like Dulcich that's that's cheaper, you know, saves you a couple thousand, you know, fifteen hundred or a couple thousand, is really tempting just because values in short supply when we look at the slate right now. We'll see what opens up. Another guy is, was kind of popping into projections is Dalton Schultz, who falls uh, somewhat to that same category as like CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. I don't know how much Dallas is going to have to pass the ball. Um, I did. I, I wanted to see like how the Tennessee t- pass defense has uh, fared, or the uh, Jacksonville pass defense has fared against tight ends because uh, Tennessee has. Oh, Conquell is. <laughs> yeah. Like- Traylon Burke is going to be out too. I think that's super interesting. He's, I think he's 2,600 to 2,700. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've highlighted him in several of my practice builds as well uh, because he's the guy who gets downfield work, right? So it's not like yeah. you're just hoping for him to catch five passes and for 30 yards. It's like, oh, he can actually catch three passes and pick up 60, 70 yards. Uh, yeah, he's super interesting. And just anyone in the adult price range, I mean, it's kind of touchdown or bust. 
like Denver might not score a touchdown, right? Like right. that's been right. a terrible offense. It's like if, if Denver doesn't get the touchdowns or if just those doesn't get the, the touchdowns, then suddenly you have some other guys in that price range outscoring him. And if he's like 25, 30% owned, that's, that's leapfrogging a lot. A lot yeah, of yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, yeah. I, mean, I think it's a, it's a key decision point because there's nothing like Dulcich is just going to have a broad range of outcomes. There's nothing we can look at and be like, you should play him or you shouldn't play him. It's more like he could score 20 and he could score eight. And like, you have to be aware of that. And you almost just have to pick a side to be on. Um, yeah, another, I, I do want to, we don't usually, I don't think touch heavily on defense, but I want to mention a couple things. I, I think that people will pay like 2,800 for the Steelers and think they're saving salary. Um, but I think it's a good week to recognize that like the Ravens are 3,300 and playing against Kenny Pickett. Um, the Bucks are 2,900. They're playing against Brock Purdy. The Cowboys are 3,800. Like I will find a way to spend an extra 1K to move from the Steelers up to the Cowboys, I think it's a key week to to consider spending a little extra defense because I think it, I think there's a lot of upside there. Like the Cowboys could score twenty points, and the Steelers score like six for everybody who saved one K in salary. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that as well. It was the first thing I looked at Sunday night. It was like, oh, I've got to remember Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to be out. You know, so Steelers defense, how much are they, how much does that cost? Because I knew they were playing Baltimore, and then I got off of that very quickly and. I do have a fantasy football mantra going back to my season long days that the teams fall apart, right? Like teams completely fall apart as the season goes on and, and teams like now we, we kind of know like the Miami situation, the teams like start explicitly tanking and trying to lose. Um, and, you know, so defenses, like it actually kind of pays to pay up for defense as you get yeah. farther into the season. Cause no, you have like teams throwing out, you know, second, third string quarterbacks. Like why not, um, why not like the Tampa Bay defense? Like, what if Brock Purdy isn't that good? Uh, <laughs> we have a bunch of, of defenses that are now facing backup quarterbacks. And, like, and it was a Tyler Huntley. Like he, he didn't, hasn't looked that bad. And he's a rushing quarterback. Like what if like he's kind of a Lamar Jackson clone? Like they have him as a backup for, for the reason that they don't have to adjust a bunch of things um, if he does have to start the game. So like what if he's just running the ball a lot? And like that might not create opportunities for the Steelers defense to put up points. Like I want a team that's gonna have to throw the ball a lot, um, and you know, and that that kind of you know, it could be Houston. Like the Dallas defense, yeah, is, is a great call. Um, the reason I was on the Browns defense last week, they had the best touchdown odds, um, and I think they ended up scoring like three touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, like a team like Houston that's gonna have to be down, they're gonna be down big and have to keep throwing the ball. Um, that's the defense that I want to target, and that could just as easily be Baltimore facing Pittsburgh as it could be a Pittsburgh facing Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously we would have loved Kyle Allen to keep starting for Houston, but like Miami's defense special teams had done nothing all year. And then they put up 20 points against Houston and then Cleveland's defense special teams had done nothing all year. And they have this huge game against Houston. Dallas has been putting up 15 to 20 points like against much better opponents. So uh, they're like, I'm comfortable kind of highlighting them almost as like a player that, Sure, there's a broad range of outcome because the defense special teams, but like it's higher certainty than people will give it credit for. And if if you're going to save, you know, like 600 to 1K in salary and let let me get low ownership on the Cowboys, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, it is. The the issue is finding the value on on a it's not in high supply right now, but it is. You know, things will probably open up. Uh, I guess that'll just about do it. Any any final thoughts on the week? No, we went a little long. Hopefully, you guys didn't mind. Um, Good luck this weekend in your FanDuel. Live final, go uh, go take down first place for us. 
Thank you. Yeah, hopefully next week I'm doing the show with a championship belt around my uh, <laughs> way. I love it. Yes, sir. All right. We'll see you guys next week.